Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Ezegary. I'm Caleb Bouger. And today is a big one. Daniel Craig's final Bond adventure, No Time to Die. If you've been following Bond Week here at Filmgasm Productions, we hope you enjoyed our Filmgasm episode on Casino Royale and our Oscar Sunday episode on Skyfall. It's all been leading up to this one right here. So buckle up. We're going to spoil the shit out of 007's latest swan song. Just be aware of that. It's not our fault. If you are listening from here on out, you're going to know what happens in No Time to Die. That's on you. You made the decision to click on it. You made the decision to stay. So don't blame us if we spoil the movie, which we're going to do. In about five seconds. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Everyone dies. <laughs> so many people. But we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, we'll also take a few minutes to talk about Shudder's new release, VHS 94, but not A24's Lamb, because frankly, we couldn't be bothered. Uh, we've been very vocal about our thoughts on quote unquote elevated horror. And uh, we will watch them. We're just not paying theater prices. Yeah, not paying theater prices. And I just spent the weekend visiting family. So yeah. I didn't have time. I had plenty of time. I actively chose to not go see it. <laughs> so I've, I've seen a lot. VHS 94 marked 100 2021 released films that I have seen. So I've put in the work. It's time to relax a little bit. <laughs> oh, boy. Pieces of a woman to VHS 94. Hell, you know, just 10 months. And we're not even done. <laughs> I'm close. No, seeing all the, the Oscar bait trailers are popping up left and right. I'm just like, oh, God damn it. Hey, they look like good movies. Drama doesn't automatically mean tedious. I'm not saying that, but I'm also saying Serrano. I heard you say that name, that fucking title did not exactly interest me. It's Cyrano. It's not a pepper. It's a character. Serrano. Cyrano de Bergerac, but we'll get into that. God damn it. <laughs> but before we get into that. The recurring theme in this show is going to be me butchering names. So just buckle up yourself, buckaroo. Apparently, it's a recurring theme on all of our shows because this is, I feel like I've been doing this a lot. And this is just the beginning of sneak preview. <laughs> I, event, you know what? You're learning. And that's the best thing. That's the best thing. <laughs> Knowledge is half the power. Am I, am I learning? I got that Texas education running through me. <laughs> oh, boy. So before we get into all this shit, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. It has not been a busy week. This will be a fairly short segment. Uh, we got four trailers and then not a lot of news. It's been a pretty slow week, which is nice. First up, Tick, Tick, Boom a film adaptation of the successful autobiographical Broadway play about Jonathan Larson, the playwright who wrote Rent and died suddenly at 35 years old. Lin-Manuel Miranda is directing the film and Andrew Garfield is starring as Larson. It's Netflix on November 12th. Did you get a chance to check out this trailer? I did because because of some surprise trailers, I don't watch for this. I now watch anything that pops up in my fucking feed on YouTube. Good man. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? This one actually looked pretty good. I like Andrew Garfield a lot. Um, I am, I am usually a sucker for biographies, so 
Um, I'll give this one a chance, and I'm I'm rooting for him because I I feel like he kind of needs it after like having not exactly being a fan favorite Spider Man. So I know he had the recent uh, movie with Jessica Chastain that I know I heard he was getting some praise on, and now this. So you know I'll check it out. I don't know if he necessarily needs it. I think that after Spider Man, you know, he's he's become an Academy Award nominated actor who's very good at characters. So I think he's, you know, he's found his niche. I don't think superhero movies were ever really his bag, but he's excelled in in dramatic performances. And uh, I think he's going to get some attention for this. This is an interesting story. Uh, I don't I, I don't know the name Jonathan Larson. I looked him up and uh, quite influential, despite, you know, his short time on this earth. And uh, yeah, I'm sure this will be good. But then again, you know, it is Netflix. So <laughs> take it with a yeah. grain of salt. As we've learned, Netflix is 50-50. Netflix is 50-50 with action movies and horror movies. But I got to say, with drama, they tend to knock it out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't even get me started. We all know how I'm really 50-50 on their upcoming, on their acquisition of the upcoming Chainsaw Massacre. In Texas. <laughs> In Tejas. I think it would cool, I think it'd be cool if they threw it for a loop and did like Oklahoma Chainsaw Massacre just to fuck with people. I mean, why not? That's a hell. That's an end. That's forty nine other states to branch out on for spinoffs, right there. I mean, I'd go see Connecticut Chainsaw Massacre, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. You know, they kind of do, man. Because, like, I don't know. I know you've been live, you've lived in Texas, whole country, long enough now to know what it looks like. I've lived in it pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Like, so it cracks me up if you watch kind of like pa- past two. And you are like, they're like, yeah, it takes place in this the same part of Texas as is always taking place, the Hill Country. And I'm watching, I'm like, no, it's not, because the Hill Country doesn't fucking look like that. 3D was the worst. Like it was like all this lush, swampy green forest. I'm like, the Hill Country has no lush, swampy green forest. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I hope Fede gives us an accurate depiction of the hill country at the very least yeah if you wouldn't know that's like a thing i don't talk about a lot, but that's like a recurrent that's like a running pet peeve for me in this franchise as much as i love texas chainsaw massacre it bugs the fuck out of me because i grew up in the area and i hate when it's clearly not the hill country past like the first two were any of the rest of them actually filmed in texas i don't know i think no the fourth one i'm pretty sure was i'm not sure about the third movie the remake was um, the house that they actually shot in is close to Lagrange. Okay. So that was that's why that one doesn't bug me because they did shoot in the whole country, just ray right out in the Lagrange area. Okay. Fair, um, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. After that, it's like they. Well, I think 3D wasn't even filmed in America. Was it Louisiana or like not in America? We're gonna look that up right now because I'm curious. Texas Chainsaw 3D. Where that's were you filmed? Point. Not to divert from Andrew Garfield here, but yeah. What we do. It's called a tangent. You don't like it? This ain't your podcast. Uh, where all right, Texas Chainsaw 3D was filmed. Filming locations. Texas Chainsaw 3D was filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Louisiana. That's part of the country. It is, but doesn't look like the fucking hill country of texas it's the bayou like that's not even close to texas that's completely different 
environment. I mean, it's a cool yeah. idea. I'd watch Bayou Chainsaw Massacre. Just call it what it is. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch those rednecks fuck some shit up. Oh, wait, it's called Wrong Turn. It took place in West Virginia. Ooh. Ouch. Oh. And if you want to if you want to see a slasher film that you know takes place in the bayou, watch Hatchet, which is really good. Well, that one is actually super entertaining fun. All the sequels are actually good. Yeah. It is possible to do four straight good movies in a horror franchise. It has not been done many times, but Adam Green pulled it off. So, you know, let's see. The number to beat is four. (laughs) Uh, Moving on. Andrew Garfield. Good luck with Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm sure you'll get an Oscar nomination for either that or the eyes of Tammy Faye, but you probably won't win. I just don't feel it. You seem like the kind of guy who's going to get nominations his whole career but possibly not a statue until he gets that Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, I got a feeling he's going to be that guy. He's going to keep getting nominated, keep getting passed up, and then they'll do either the Lifetime Achievement Award or what they did with Leo uh, Leo, and just finally give it on. And I'm, this is no shots taken on the Revenants. I really like that movie, but he should have gotten nominated for something else well before, or one before the Revenant, in my opinion. True, but let me look at like Peter O'Toole. He was nominated his whole career, never won, still considered a legendary, iconic performer. So, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's an honor just to be nominated. But so you still get, I mean, look at that House of Gucci trailer. Every single name is either Academy Award winner or Academy Award nominee when they do the cast in that movie. It's fucking insane. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, moving on, we have a dramedy from A24 called Red Rocket. Stars Simon Rex as a former porn star who returns home to his small Texas hometown to find nobody wants him back. Uh, Hits theaters on December 3rd, is getting rampant critical praise. Simon Rex is getting potential Oscar attention, which would be fucking crazy. And uh, this looks hilarious. Which movie? What was that title again? Red Rocket. Holy, how did I make? God damn it. I didn't see this trailer. I somehow missed this one. It, it looks fun. It looks right up your alley. He's a for, he's a male porn star who moves back to, to his hometown in Texas and it finds out like, A, he's still married to his wife. He never he just left. He never got a divorce. He just left. And everyone's like, the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here. We don't want you around here, you heathen. And he's like trying to get work, but no one respects him. <laughs> There's a bunch of funny lines like, where were you? Like, oh, a little place called none of your fucking business USA. Like, little things like that. This looks this looks entertaining. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have to. Yeah, I like how I like how porn in Texas, and you're like it's right up your alley. Answer <laughs> <laughs> me this: Am I wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just it looked funny, and it looked like you're. Yeah, I I think you'll like it. Okay, I'll check out the trailer. I don't know how uh, to this one, but all right. Yeah. Next up, a musical adaptation of the classic story Cyrano de Bergerac, titled simply Cyrano. Stars Peter Dinklage as the eponymous hero. Comes out December thirty first, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. Yeah, that I was bored to tears on this trailer. I look. I know that like I I know we joke about my type of films and how I feel about the Oscars and whatnot, but I just, I can do a drama before I can do a romantic drama. Like romance movies, just especially the older I get, man, it's like, they bore me. 
I'm looking at it like, no, this is realistic. This is, this is so fucking stupid. Just stop. I just, uh, I don't like, I don't, I don't like romance movies. Oof. That's, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope one day you find a movie that can melt your cold, dead heart. Uh, I am a fool for romance. I love a good love story. I just think this looks boring. Uh, so, Cyrano, if you want to see it, uh, we would be doing it as our first episode of the sneak preview for 2022, but that's that's not going to happen. We've got other things planned. So, yeah, see it. You know, if, if we're wrong, if it looks, if it's amazing, shoot us an email, encourage us, or, you know, throw us a line on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, say, hey, fuck you. Cyrano was really good. And we'll be like, okay, fuck us. I'll go see it. I won't. You can say fuck you to me all day. I'm not going to watch the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. I will take yet another one for the team. <laughs> Finally. Here's another, here's a movie I don't give a fuck about. The trailer for Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. A reboot of the franchise based on the popular video game series. The film is set in 98, follows a group of super of survivors, not superheroes, that'd be awesome. Survivors, as they uncover the secrets of the Umbrella Corporation and the mysterious Spencer Mansion. It's theaters November 24th. Tell me this trailer got you feeling nothing? No, not really. I thought this looked ridiculous and i've never been a resident evil fan anyway so it's just not for me i, I accept that God, so i don't want to see it i don't care i've never uh, cared there's sick like what six of the paul verhoeven movies no wait, not paul verhoeven paul ws anderson there are pauls who make shitty movies in hollywood <laughs> so yeah paul ws anderson throughout this franchise i didn't care i never played the games i don't care for this one i've just it never got me well, we're making it the primary of the weekend it comes out, unless it's a, unless there's something else coming out that weekend. I'm going to find out right now, because I have a feeling there is, because... I have a lot. 24th, we said? November 24th? Yeah. Okay, let me check the old sketch. Also, I that, feel like you're judging this too harshly. No, I'm just saying doesn't look like my cup of tea. Oh, House of Gucci. <laughs> All right, so Resident Evil will be the primary. And in Kanto. That's going to be an interesting week. That is actually a really interesting week. Someone's budging. It ain't going to be House of Gucci or Kanto. I am not putting a full episode's worth of work into Resident Evil. I'm just not doing it. Not when House of Gucci is right there. I don't know why you're hating on this movie so much. Now, let's move on. So, as someone who has been playing the video games... Even though I have yet to beat Village, I'm still slowly working on the campaign on that one. Um, I'm excited for this movie because it feels like those first couple of games. Because the first three games are very horror-focused. Fourth, when they started adding action to the games. And then they went full-blown, like, uh, Chris Redfield punching a boulder in Resident Evil 5, and it's like, okay, we just took horror out. Horror and logic just went way out the window now. But this, the director has been very adamant that he's going back to those first two games, and he wants it to be horror, and he wants it to be scary and what Resident Evil is supposed to be. And seeing that trailer got me so pumped, because he's clearly a fan of the games. He gets what the material is, and it looks like the studio is fully supporting him in his vision. They don't want to go down the other movie route like they've done that it's out of their system now they're like let's do an actual horror 
movie that it should be. And I, I think it looks awesome as shit. Seeing the characters from the games and how like so like realistic from the game they look in the movie looks awesome. Um, I know apparently I think some people are kind of mad that um, Leon isn't white because in the games he's a white character and they got a Hispanic to play him. And you know what? If he auditioned it well for the part, bring it on. I don't care as long as he's good in the role, as long as he does justice to Leon. Hashtag justice for Lee. Um, no. Cool. No, <laughs> I feel like this is the movie that will make you go, oh, it's actually pretty good when you watch it. I don't plan on watching it. <laughs> I don't want to make you watch this movie and give it a chance. How about, here, here's a compromise. You go see Resident Evil and I won't. How about you do go see Resident Evil? I feel like you're judging it based off the movies. No, I'm judging it based on the fact that I have never given a shit about Resident Evil my whole life. Games, movies, nothing. I've never cared. I feel like you're being a little too harsh here. (laughs) I think I'm just being indifferent, which I think is fine. Look, between this and the new paranormal activity, I just feel like you're being too harsh. You're harsh and I'm mellow. I have... I have plenty of evidence to back up my not my feelings towards the new paranormal activity. I don't care because the last like four films have sucked ass. So that's my that's my evidence there. I'm standing by that paranormal activity three and marked ones were good. I'll agree with you on four and ghost dimension. Those two pissed me off. Yeah. All right. Here's the here, how about this? Do you go see Resident Evil? I'll go see Encanto, and then we'll both go see House of Gucci. And we'll talk about all three of them. How about we both see all three of them? <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want to pay to see Resident Evil. I don't want to No, I don't want to pay for that. All right. So it's a deal. So we're going to watch all three of them. All right. How about this? You Venmo me the price of a movie ticket. I will go see it. All right. <laughs> You're buying my way in. I'm not paying for this. I don't know why you're being so harsh on Resident Evil. You're being really inconsiderate. Because I would fans. much rather pay for House of Gucci and Encanto, two movies that look really promising, other than this, which you know I feel what? like we've seen a hundred times. I hope House House of Gucci just falls on his face for you now. You would do that to yourself. You were looking forward to that. Shut up. In this episode, not 10 minutes ago, you were like, House of Gucci's loaded with Oscar winners. This looks good. Wow, you you pancake, you flip flopper. <laughs> I want you to see the new Resident Evil and give it a chance. If it is if it has a positive tomato score, I will consider it. But I have a feeling I would bet hard Vegas money it won't. Russell, we won't pull that card. How many movies have we watched that we like that don't have a good Rotten Tomato score? On this show, not many. <laughs> the scores have pretty lined up, lined I'm up pretty well over the course of this show. On filmgasm, plenty. Fair enough. But yeah, fair enough. I'll give you that. But guess what? I didn't pay movie ticket prices to see those. <laughs> so yeah. Clearly, this is going to be divisive. I mean, it's, it's pitch black all over again. This is shit I got to deal with for the next month. Great. Wonderful. Can't wait. Yes. Yes, it is. You're being so harsh on something I'm so excited for. 
God forbid, I don't want to see something that you want to see. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. That's not how this relationship works. Clearly. And clearly it is one-sided. <laughs> oh, my God. Aren't you glad to be friends with me? Oh, I love it. I cherish every moment. That wasn't sarcastic. I really do. It sounded God damn so it, you're sarcastic. my best friend and I love you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, you don't have to see Resident Evil. God, I'll go watch it myself. Uh, I'll actually, probably if Josh wants to go with me. Actually, probably, I know he, yeah. he cares. Go see it with him. Josh, when you listen to this episode, text me later if you want to go see Resident Evil with me. <laughs> oh, this weird ass podcast we get to do. All right, moving on. Those are the trailers of the week. The new Scream sequel has an official release date and a poster. It's coming out January 14th, 2022, two days after my birthday. I guess this is what I'm seeing my birthday week, which actually I'm not bummed about. I am looking forward to this. That's nice. I get a Spider-Man the day after my birthday. It comes out on the 17th. Nice. Yeah. I uh, feel like you would rather have Scream. I would, actually. <laughs> Um, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Marley Shelton, and David Arquette are all officially returning, as well as newcomers Dylan Minette, Jack Quaid, Jenna Ortega, and Melissa Barrera. The sequel is being helmed by Ready or Not directors Matt Bettinelli-Olpen and Tyler Gillette, and is simply titled Scream, which, frankly, I think is dumb. Just call it Scream 5. Why are you fucking with us like this? Because of Halloween. This is all because of how successful Halloween 2018 was. They should have called that Halloween either. I, I still think that should have been Halloween Returns or something like that. It's just, it's confusing. You know, if you tell people like, hey, I just watched Halloween. Now you got to have a supple, like supplementary conversation of, oh, which one? <laughs> one, the original, the Rob Zombie remake, or the 2018 one. Which one? Halloween, Halloween, or Halloween? Halloween. Oh, cool. How was it? <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. Now I got to deal with that with Scream. Oh, I just watched Scream. Oh, the original, the TV show, or the new one? How was it? Lots of rape. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other one, that Halloween. Okay. Ah, anyway, I think these guys are good picks. They've proven with Ready or Not that they can balance horror and humor very well. They clearly love the genre. And, you know, I'm sure if Wes Craven had to, you know, hand this franchise over to anybody, I'm sure these guys would be good picks. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Anxious to see what they do with this. I'm sure that you know, Campbell, Arquette, and Cox wouldn't have signed on if they didn't think this was worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this movie. I, I'm with you. I really, really liked Ready or Not. It's one of my more favorite ho- recent horror films. Um, so they definitely proved themselves. They've been attached actually to the VHS franchise since uh, the beginning, I believe. So I mean, they've they've done a lot of stuff I like in horror. And yeah, I'm with you. Like, you know, those three actors were so adamant that the reason they came back was Wes Craven. And yeah. something tells me that if they came back, something about this script told like spoke to them. Um, I know Kevin Williamson recently did an interview because he's seen it. He's seen this new movie apparently, and he gave it a lot of praise. He was like, "It's I, he I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but the way he sounded was that we're in for a treat with this movie." He said it's definitely very much like it's forging ahead. It's a new thing, but it makes you feel kind of warm and fuzzy because they honored the original so well. So and he's so highly about it, and I, I couldn't be more excited. I think, yeah, 
the titling aside, I I really think we're in for something good here. I'm still holding out hope for a secret uh, Matthew Lillard return. I mean, who knows? I'm holding out hope that maybe Hayden, Hayden Panter is actually in the movie because I liked her character in Scream 4. And there's all those series that she didn't actually die, and they're not bringing her back. But to bring that deputy lady back. I got to say, I've seen Scream 4 twice, and I don't remember it that well. I like Scream 4, and I'm, I, I'm starting to think I'm the only one on the team that really likes Scream 4. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hold fast. There's nothing wrong with that. I need everyone to be on my side. I, I, I know. Believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that week for Filmgasm, we'll do Scream 3, which I think is the next one in our in our franchise order. We've done one and two, and uh, you, you weren't there for both of those. So yeah, three. You... Oh, thanks. I'm glad you guys bring me on for three. Well, we would have brought you on earlier, but it wasn't really our call, was it? Kind of was. <laughs> uh, it was a bit. <laughs> Don't you throw that at me. We're just going to pause the show for like a year and a half when you were, and wait until you were ready. That Was that the plan? <laughs> this is a very personal sneak preview. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you guys are getting your own sneak preview into our fucking lives today. <laughs> I was only gone for 11 months. <laughs> oh, hey, Josh picked Scream, so take it up with him. Josh, Scream, Scream 2 was the book, though, so you can't really blame anyone on that. Oh, I can't. You could have played, <laughs> played on hold. You get three, you get four, you get to do your sneak preview on Scream, so good, good for you. Well done. I only wanted one and two also. <laughs> take the W. Just just take the W. I'm going to focus on the L. <laughs> oh, scream, January 14th. Don't miss it. Next up, Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight has confirmed that he is ending the series with a movie that will start shooting in 2023. The film will follow the show's upcoming sixth and final season that premieres in spring 2022. And um, I'm interested to see how they handle Helen McCrory's untimely death in this show. Uh, I, I didn't, I haven't given up on the show. I just been a while since I watched it. I watched, I think up to season four and then got caught up with other stuff. I remember really enjoying the show. It's a neat crime drama, great cast. And, uh, I'm sure I'll like it once I go back in. I haven't seen the show, so I have no leg in this race. Uh, not that I hate British television. I'm just terribly never caught like get it's kind of like anime i just haven't caught that wave i haven't seen a lot of uh british television not that i hate it i actually what i have seen i enjoy quite a bit actually especially their comedy i love their comedy yeah but british comedy is the best yeah they, their try humor is some of the best shit ever i recommend uh, checking out this series called man down if you haven't already it's greg davis that comedian i showed you the english guy oh it's, yeah brought out the welsh choir and the the he, you see that teddy bear? I fucked that teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. It's funny. His dad's always fucking with him, and no one else in his family believes that he's fucking with him. <laughs> it's a great dynamic. You know, like he shows up in a bear costume and like beats the shit out of him, and then <laughs> puts away the bear costume, and no one believes that his dad beats the shit out of him. It's a funny show. 
But uh, Peaky Blinders, uh, it's Killian Murphy. It's uh, Helen McCrory. Uh, Tom Hardy shows up as like a psycho Jewish gangster, which is really cool. Um, Aiden Gillen played like a crazy priest once upon a time, I think. It's been a minute. Sam Neill plays like a cop who's dedicated on taking them down, and he's willing to do whatever it takes, like bad cop. Uh, pretty good. It takes place like right after World War One, with, you know, crime in, in uh, where is it? Birmingham, England. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a few years since I watched this show, but I remember liking it. Maybe I'll go back in time to see the movie. I've heard good things. Uh, so, but again, it's just, I missed the train on it when it came out. I just haven't seen it. I think Netflix, Netflix bought it a while back and it's been a Netflix series uh, since like the third season. Um, finally, Christopher Nolan's new Manhattan Project biopic is already underway. The film is titled Oppenheimer and will star Killian Murphy as the scientist who built the atomic bomb. Oppenheimer will hit theaters exclusively in July 2023, and it will be the only thing Universal releases that entire month, thanks to Nolan's ridiculous contract. So, Killian Murphy as Robert Oppenheimer, I'm going to have to see this. I'm sorry. But if it makes you feel better, I am going to go see something else the week before and the week after. <laughs> You're not going to wait six weeks. I, you know I can't. We're literally talking on the reason I can't. <laughs> I, uh, unless you make this like, you know, the movie we're talking about for the show, I'm not seeing it in theaters. I'm really holding fast on that. I have Without getting, you know, expression like I usually am with this, I just, I I don't like Nolan anymore. I, I, I've I already talked about how I feel like his demands are outrageous. And I I was I was one of the few that just did not like Dunkirk. I have yet to watch Tenet. And I hope this goes back to his more small-scale roots, but clearly his budget told me he doesn't know what that actually is. How do you do a biopic on like the Manhattan Project and not have it be small scale? Is it going to be just nothing but atomic explosions? I mean... Non-linear storytelling? Like, what, what's going to happen on your fucking biography, Nolan? I'm sure he'll get a great cast. I, I think you said you said Killian Murphy, right? Yeah, he's playing Robert J. Oppenheimer. I'm sure Michael Caine will stroll in there at some point. Yeah, like, he's going to get a good cast and actors I like, which that's going to be the, my main reason to see it, is I do like... I, I like the actors he gets. See it out of spite. Somehow. <laughs> like, find a coupon for your local theater and use it. <laughs> Something like that. Just wait for the really shitty um, illegal camera footage. Yeah, watch. Do it that way. Yeah, pirate this shit. Just sitting on my bed watching it on my phone. Just, yep. The most ideal way to watch it. <laughs> It probably will be the movie of the week that week. It's going to be hard to pass this up. Uh, but we'll see what comes out. You know, I don't know what's coming out in July 2023. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Maybe a Marvel movie will come out that week just to fuck Nolan up. That would be nice. <laughs> Fantastic Four, motherfucker. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I, I hope. I would love nothing more for like but a Marvel movie to come out and just completely upset his whole deal. Like Disney's like, oh, he 
he has that because I mean the demands went public. This he's just like, oh, he doesn't want them to release a movie when he's coming out with a movie. I know what we'll do. Disney movie the week before, Marvel movie the week during, Star Wars movie the week after. Fuck that movie up. <laughs> that would be that would be nice. I would love. I would love if you, if Universal really just made the deal, just to then turn around and talk to all the other studios about how they're going to fuck his career. Like it's worth yeah, it. We'll take the loss. Deal. You guys got any movie? We'll take the loss. We got Lee Winnell making up the difference with Wolfman and Invisible Man Two and all that shit. We'll be fine. Take him down. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like a multi-film studio conspiracy to just fuck up this arrogant son of a bitch. And we're just like, look, we got Fast and Furious. We're part of Blumhouse. We're set. We're good. Reminds me of Thor Ragnarok when Thor's fighting Hela and she's like, you can't kill me. And he's like, I know, but he can. And then Surtur shows up as Disney. <laughs> oh, here's hoping. There's no way in hell, but that would be nice. It would be amazing. Um, so that was all that happened this week. Not a lot, but you know, enough we're talking about. Also, they caught the Zodiac killer, but that's not for tonight. Um, before we, that's now quickly again debated. Allegedly, they caught a guy with a similar forehead crease who died in 2018. Uh, you know, not quite the big scoop we were hoping for, but if you want to hear more about that, look it up or wait till tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, so before we get into Bond, let's talk a little bit about VHS 94, which was a big deal for you, I know, because you, you've been looking forward to this for a while now. And uh, so have I. I like most of the VHS movies. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been, uh, sorry, I've been looking forward to this for a while because I think I, I told you about the VHS movies, I believe. Yeah, we, I, yeah, I remember you told me like, hey you got to watch this movie. And this was before we had like shutter and prime and all this shit where I had to like track this thing down through Netflix mail and, <laughs> and I got VHS and I'm like, ah, vampire woman thing. Ah, why is she trying to blow him? Ah. And oh. there were other things, but that's primarily what I remembered from that movie. <laughs> and I rewatched the first two to prep for this. I viral can go fuck itself. I'm, I'm never watching that again. Yeah. I, I hate that one. Oh um, yeah. I know. <laughs> I remember when I first saw because like I'm I get on Blaze discussing a lot for my horror news and other ones that make these movies. And I remember they were promoting it, so it's like they were like real proud of it. They're like, we're gonna come out with our movie, you guys gotta check it out. I remember when I watched it, I just fell in love. I'm like, I don't like it's just like you know, the, the movies get the stories get so outrageous and they get gory, but there's such a sense of fun, especially in one and two in these movies. And I, you know, I'm I'm in the camp that, like, I love the first movie. I do think some segments are, you know, hit and miss. Like, personally, the one where, like, the, uh, the couple goes on vacation and the killer keeps filming them at night. I think, aside from a few creepy scenes, it's an okay segment. See, I'm kind of on the opposite side of that. That, that one freaked me out because it was real. You know, a vampire lady ain't going to blow me. I know that. Hopefully. I mean, I can dream. But... <laughs> I think that, you know, I mean, the, the moment where like the, the camera turns on and films both of them sleeping, that 
put a shiver down my spine. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Those are the parts that creeped me out. There's everything around that. Yeah. When it got to the main cup, I was like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, fair enough. But when, like, when she stabs the guy in the throat, I was like, whoa, wasn't expecting that, you know? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I did like the twist at the end when it was revealed that they're actually like a lesbian, like killer couple. I was like, oh, okay. Despite the fact that I've seen it before, watching it again, I fully expected the one with like the the killer in the woods that's like glitchy. I thought that was going to be a Bigfoot thing. And I was disappointed again that it wasn't. I remember the first time I watched the thing like, ooh, in the woods, it's got to be Bigfoot. And now I'm like, having seen it before, I'm still like, wait, maybe it'll be Bigfoot. And it wasn't. And even like, I, I, I want them to do Bigfoot so bad in these movies and they have yet to do it. Oh, that would be awesome. I feel like they could, oh, they could pull that off really well. Um, but yeah, no, I, that first one I really enjoy overall. Um, and then I, I thought personally the second one was like even better. Like I fucking love the second one. I, I, I actually pretty much like all the stories in that one. Like I think all of them are strong. I know you, I read your review. I know you want hip on the GoPro cause it was a zombie, but I thought the GoPro was what made it unique. I actually liked seeing the GoPro footage. I, my beef with that one, I just, I wanted more from it. It was a cool idea. I feel like, like, wasn't lived up to its full potential, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. I think the other ones are, you know, solid enough to hold that thing up. Yeah, especially uh, Safe Haven. That one's still, watching that movie again, I'm like, God, I forget how insane this segment is. How they, they pulled that off in, like, what, 10 minutes? 15 minutes some crazy like short amount of time it's a perfect yeah. cult movie in such a small amount of time it's done so well Ugh, i think I, that should have been the last one because it's so you know just out of fucking nowhere feels like a good you know finale what was the one after that what was it I, i've always forget it was alien, uh, alien sleepover alien sleepover yeah that one freaked me out the first time i watched it this time i thought it was kind of goofy Except for when they go, when they're swimming and you see the fucker under the lake. That that freaked me out. That one, and also when he jumps out at them in the house. Like when, yeah. Yeah, when it makes that noise and you see it fucking jump out. I remember that so got me. This, like the second or third time I watched it, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like you said, viral, I watched it once and just went, what the fuck happened? I remember we um, had a whole night planned around that. I drove up to your place. We got snacks and shit. Like we were gonna watch VHS viral. It was a big deal, and we were both so bummed. <laughs> yeah, I think we watched something else like, as a power uh... blender. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot what we watched. Um, Might have been the Baba Duke. But yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, that's right. It was Baba Duke. <laughs> that was oof, creepy. Oh, yeah. Creepy movie. That was that was creepy. But anyway. uh, yeah, you know, and after saying that movie and kind of like I thought the franchise was dead because they did not talk about a fourth movie for the longest time. When I came back from an appointment, I was, you know, kind of going through by discussing and they were like, they just randomly mentioned V8. Oh, yeah, on your VHS. Movie. I was like, no, <laughs> no way. I looked at my text to you. I was like, dude, they're making a fourth one. I was like, it might we might have a chance at redemption here. And then I heard it was coming. Shot and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And my excitement just built that tra- as soon as the trailer dropped. And I had, I remember I texted you, I was like, dude, the trailer's out. 
stream. I was so excited. I could not fucking wait for this movie. Yeah, I remember, and I'm glad, you know, we got it. I think leave it to Shudder to revamp this uh, this franchise, possibly give us a new, you know, some new, some new life in there, maybe some more movies in the future. Uh, I liked it. Um, I didn't think it was as good as the first two, but it was definitely better than viral. Uh, let's take it segment by segment. Yeah. Um, the prologue, holy hell. Honestly, all three, all four of these movies, the frame story never drags me in, ever. No. Um, I will say to me, this prologue, I put it on par with the sequel, uh, 2's prologue, and that I think it started off super strong. Yeah. And I was actually kind of invested in like, okay, how's this going to play out? It just didn't really end that well. Yeah. Yeah, I but agree. I, yeah, I was, when it first started, I was like, okay, I'm kind of interested in where they're going. This is a neat way to like do a wraparound story. And I just don't think the payoff was all that great. Now they always do something, you know, like they try to throw in like, oh, it's zombies or it's a, you know, some possession or something, but they never follow up. It's weird. I don't know why they do that every time. Like, just don't do it. Just give us the tapes. We don't need a framing device. Yeah. Well, and they're clearly ignoring the end of viral. Where it was supposed to be like the tapes got went out into the wild and infected everyone. See, I never caught on to the idea that the the tapes were infectious. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah. I I don't care. I honestly am ignoring that part now. I'm just waiting for the for the tapes. That's all I'm here. That's why we're all here. Uh, yeah, and the first one in this story is Storm Drain. What do you think? I like this one. Um, I would say I know a lot of people are saying like it kind of feels short. I don't think it was necessarily short. It did feel like a good chunk was kind of like skipped over to get to that ending. But I mean, overall, I liked it. I mean, it, I thought it was. Really, I thought that tunnel sequence when they first entered was like super creepy. And then, like, the whole thing where, like, Hell Ratma comes out, and I thought the creatures on that thing was really, really neat and cool. Yeah. And, oh, my God, when at the end, she fucking vomited that shit on his face, and his face melted was one of, like, the best gags. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, overall, I liked it. Overall, I liked that story. I did, too, for the most part, but I do think it, it should have, it could have been longer. Um, why was that hunter guy stalking them that never came back up? Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. They did drop that. Yeah. But like, you know, the homeless guy covered in slime was just was creepy. The, you know, the whole like cult worshiping this thing, Ratma. Ratma. Mm-hmm. Which, I texted that to you thinking you'd already watched it. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. OK, I'll give you a couple hours. <laughs> I didn't have a chance to watch it on the weekend and I was trying to get like all my shit done here so I could sit down and watch it. And you sent me that. I was like, I haven't seen the movie yet, man. <laughs> oh, but I did think I did find it creepy when I'm talking to that homeless man and uh, he says rat man, like, well, who's the rat man? And he just stops and starts smiling. And the blood comes out. I was like, that was like a supremely creepy moment. I felt bad for Jeff. It's always the cameraman who gets the shit in it. It's always, you know, <laughs> don't, don't be the cameraman in a horror movie. You're, you're doomed. Nope. Uh, yeah, unless not bad. it's Deborah Logan. He got the hell out of there. Yes, yes, he did. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. I like that one. 
Um, the next one is The Empty Wake, uh, which was my least favorite of the bunch. This one was okay. I liked the, again, it looked like they were doing kind of like that, the GoPro right. We were seeing the beginning of a zombie apocalypse, but just in like this funeral home, I thought it did have a very creepy, at, creepy atmosphere. And I did think like the guy, like when his face turned on stuff, I thought that like the effects on that were great. Yeah. Um, and I did uh, like that little gag when you see like his head half his head on the ground his eye starts moving to look at her that was neat but besides that i thought it was okay overall it wasn't my favorite most of the bunch i would probably put it as my least favorite as well i thought that one had really good potential to be like a really creepy ghost episode or ghost segment i thought zombie might it wasn't the greatest way to go for that never really explained why nobody showed up to the wake or why they were having a wake in like the middle of the night or why yeah. one guy showed up and was like, I paid my respects and then walked out. Like there were, there were so many questions with this one. Yeah. I was kind of hoping kind of like for more, more of like the, uh, like the haunted house segment that ended the first movie mm-hmm. with the hand coming out of the wall and stuff that I thought was actually like legitimately creepy. I was kind of hoping something along those lines, but instead I got what seemed like, again, I'm going to say what seemed like the beginning of a zombie apocalypse because you've, I know that that siren started playing in the background when he got out of his coffin. So I was like, is this like beginning? Well, that was, that was a tornado warning. Oh yeah. Cause remember the tornado fucked up the place, killed him. And then she gets up and like walks out. But was she bit? Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Next up the subject. Uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Well, fun fact for those who don't know, Safe Haven director came back for this segment. So it's the same guy, and honestly, he stole the show again. This was my favorite segment. This it like this this segment starts at like 10 and just keeps going up. And the I want to know how he pulled off like half of the effects with the guy with the arm. The, the 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 big ass blade arm just sawing people in half and going to town. I was like, oh my god! Like, yeah, I I really enjoyed this segment. It gets it it started high and just kept going. It's it was glorious. Fuck, I, I liked it. Yeah, I figured. Uh, I liked it too. Felt a lot like reminded me of the raid, which I don't think is an accident. No, I mean, and they even said it took place in Jakarta, which is where the raid takes place. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the effects in this one were lights out good, uh, especially the subject, like the lady with her, uh, her head was, was a, like a camera now, except for her jaw. And that was nuts. Um, some of the, de- like, I thought there was great character development in this one. Just like the one cop who's like a, a wiener ends up killing his boss. Is this the right thing yeah. to do? <laughs> it was this guy's good. I want him to do a feature. Oh, dude, he does. He's on features. They're on Netflix. Um, watch uh, the night comes for us. Oh, that's a great. It has, idea. yes, it has. Um, the guy from the raid, the main character, the main cop character from the raid, and he plays a bad guy. He's a mob boss. Because the plot is uh, this guy <clears throat> goes in for a hit, 
but doesn't kill the gore. He takes her because he, he can't harm her. And now the entire mob is coming after him. Oh, the entire like, Yakuza gang. And it, dude, it's a bad ass movie. It is martial arts glory to a T. It's got Eco Uwais and Sub Zero. Mm-hmm. Fuck. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna watch this. This sounds awesome. Yeah, Sub Zero is the he's the main character, and Eco Uwais actually plays the bad guy. Fuck. And they have a fight scene, and it is awesome. Nice. I looked up the reviews. The reviews are very promising. It's got like 91%. Like this is a, yeah, it's a good movie. I, I watched. I watched it when it came out. I highly, highly recommend that movie. It is a badass movie. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Um, the final segment is terror, which was my personal favorite. Uh, I love the idea of a white supremacist gang capturing a vampire and using him as a weapon. That was such a cool idea. And it was executed so well. Just, you know, they get fucked up and they screw up and this thing kills everybody. <laughs> Just... I loved it. I love these, you know, proud boy assholes who were talking in, in like code. And like, I love the leaders like talking in code and no one understands him. So he's like, we're getting fucked up. And they're like, <laughs> I like this it, one a lot. Yeah. No, this was probably my second favorite one. It felt oddly timely. What's going on nowadays in America? Um, but yeah, they had to like these good old boys and you think it's going to go in one direction, right? You think we're going to actually like, the ultimate like scary scenario of like um this group of people going rogue and becoming a, a terrorist cell but no it takes a complete turn into they captured a vampire and that thing fucks them up i love the ideal that if you vampire blood explodes in sunlight that was so awesome yeah <laughs> when that guy I uh, I don't I don't talk about this a lot on the show because I don't want to come across as self promotional. But fuck it, I've I've written three vampire novels of my own, and I actually do have my vampires do this exact shit. So I think that's why I liked it so much. Vampire like explode in sunlight like a fucking grenade because it's such a cool idea. It's such a cool visual, and in this movie, it's done so. I love that they're injecting it into people to turn them into bombs. Like what the fuck? This is brilliant. Yeah, and I love the one guy that's stepping out because he's all dazed, and they're like, no, no, don't get in the light, stay inside. And I was like, My favorite thing about it is up until that moment, they never tell you it's a vampire. You have to figure it out. You have to figure out, like, oh, they they shot him in the head, and then they shoot him in the head again the next day. Like, what's going on here? They put put his blood in a bunny, and the bunny explodes, and then I'm like, holy shit, it's a vampire. Like, you got to figure it out. I love that. Yeah, you're just watching it like, what is what is going on with this segment? And then, yeah, that happens. You're like, is it what I think it is? And then they show the fucking vampire. And I thought that was one of the creepiest looking vampires. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. I didn't know we were going this route, but I like it. He looked like the drill from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> like the giant, like, like huge mouth, like two foot mouth. <laughs> just yeah. Like a like a saw. It was fucking disturbing just like eats your whole head yeah oh dude when he came out of the attic i jumped a little bit i was like oh my god and then him for the vampire to just be like done with his suffering and just steps into the sunlight and blows up the whole compound like dude 
Like, what? Where was this? Like, I want this. That that was my favorite uh, of the bunch. I gave the film a seven. Uh, it was good. wasn't great. I think I think it's it's sitting at a ninety five percent certified fresh and Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's a bit a bit high. Personally, I'll take it over with because it's either that or the other extreme. I feel like with this movie and critics, but um, it's got like a five point five on IMDb. It's just such a wide disparity that it's yeah. Weird. It, I, it's so weird. Me personally, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I gave it a, a seven. Um, it, it wasn't. It's a step in the right direction. It's definitely lights out ahead of VHS viral. Yes. And makes me go, okay, I could. If you keep up this quality and do what you did, like from one to two, and you're and you do a follow up to ninety four, it's even better. I'm in, like. Because I, I, there's just something about this franchise I like. Something about what they do with this franchise that I like so much. And to see it come back like this and honestly be mostly entertaining minus a, a couple elements. Like, I, yeah, I really enjoy the hell out of this. Yeah, I love a good anthology film. Uh, and it's always, you know, gives creators an opportunity to just go bonkers with uh, ideas and designs and effects. And they certainly did uh, didn't disappoint in this film. Uh, so with that, um, hail Ratma and have a lovely afternoon. Yeah, and don't put Timo Trajanto in a cage. Just let that guy go wild with his fucking segments and movies. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Goddamn, he's clearly the you know the all star here. Yeah. I think uh, I know I've seen Night Comes From Comes For Us, but he has other films on Netflix. He's done actual horror films that are on Netflix that I've heard really good things about that. I keep meaning to check out. I think James Wan, last I heard, has tapped him to direct the Train to Busan American remake. So he's doing the American version. I, neat, but why? I'm with you because I've seen Train of Busan. It's a beautiful fucking movie. But if anyone could possibly give me hope that they could, like, this could be good and pull it off, it's this guy. I think this guy would do a really good Cujo. Oh my God. Some about it just thinks if I, we give this guy big, rabid dog, he's going to make something incredible out of it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm so glad they, they're not doing the fucking like robot dog Cujo acronym escape from a laboratory bullshit. That, uh, okay. Ooh. Like just hearing that. that got so close to being a real movie. Like, I can't imagine, like, I can't believe nobody said no for so long until King was like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I hope that's what happened. That's just a lot of- he doesn't remember writing that book. So if he's like, what the fuck is going on with this? That tells you something. I love that his Coke-fueled fantasies like, is one of, in my opinion, his best books. Cujo is such a great read. <laughs> but like, he wrote it in like three days and doesn't remember a word of it. That's incredible. I mean, I, I snort Coke over a weekend. I'm either dead or you know naked on the highway. There's not going to be art coming out of me. Uh, um, Steve Bond Bond James Bond 
No Time to Die is Daniel Craig's fifth and final James Bond adventure after Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. So 25th Bond film overall. Oh, last chance. And he's happy. <laughs> oh, boy, is he happy. Last chance back out. Yeah, he, he's made it quite known. He wants to be done with this role. I loved his video on the set of talking about, like, you know, you, it has meant so much to me, and I'm so glad I got to work with all of you, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably true on some level, but also you are so happy to hang up the suit and the Walter and the martinis and just go do something else. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with He that. wants to make that knives out money, man. Yeah, like 400 mil, some crazy number he and Ryan Johnson got with the Netflix deal. It's crazy. So No Time to Die was directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, whose previous directing credits include Jane Eyre, Beasts of No Nation, and episodes of True Detective and Maniac. His previous writing credits include It and two episodes of The Alienist, which is interesting considering not pretty sparse filmography to get a Bond film. Well, I know he got like a lot of recognition because of True Detective. I remember hearing about that at least that first season all the time, and his name was always attached when I heard about it. I remember Danny Boyle was but, asked. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. He had to step out, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he stepped out because of um, there were some creative uh, creative differences. I think that the ending of the franchise was not what he wanted to do, but the Broccoli's were like, well, you're doing it. And he's like, well, I'm not. And they're like, well, Fukunaga will. And he got the role. <laughs> it's, yeah, that whole white uh, Artair you know, artiste meets they're attached to a franchise that has a clear vision for where they want it to go. I think that Fukunaga is, has enough name recognition to draw people, but also not enough clout to argue with the broccolis. Oh yeah. He was probably on. And honestly, I got the impression he was probably just happy to be there. As you would be. I mean, <laughs> it's James Bond. <laughs> He probably wasn't happy with the constant delays, but at least he hasn't been sitting there bitching about it. He's just been trying to get the movie out. Um, so we've covered the careers of returning franchise staples, Daniel Craig, Naomi Harris, Ray Fiennes, Jeffrey Wright, and Christoph Waltz in our past episodes on Filmgasm Oscar Sunday. We've talked about these guys. So let's shine a light on some of the others and not just recap shit we've been talking about all week. Uh, Leia Seydoux returns as Madeline Swan, Bond's one true love, which I got to say, I never really bought. I never buy it just because they've done that trope so many times. That it's like, it's hard for me to like really buy into it when they do it for like what feels like the 10th time. Only James Bond can fall in love 25 times in a row. He meets a lot of Mrs. Wrights. <laughs> I mean, but I will say this to their credit, considering this was the rebooted, franchise and considering I was technically the first one yeah. and he didn't make, make that nice nod to Vesper Lynn of being in the movie I can kind of believe it a little bit more here because it's its own self-contained story of like the Craig Erebon films I would have well I would have introduced Madeline probably in like Quantum or something and had her be a through line throughout I think that would have been smarter mm. 
but they didn't know they had this, you know, they didn't get the rights back to Spectre until like 2014. So they couldn't build this yet. Fair enough. Yeah. So I think they worked what they had, and I do think it works better. It being, you know, Crater being self-contained, but yeah, like we said, it's also if you've been a longtime fan and you've been watching all the movies, it's hard to get into it when they have gone to this trope numerous times in the franchise. Yeah, Bond is very much an I'll call you kind of guy. <laughs> He's yeah. He falls in love every night. <laughs> uh, so Leah Seydoux previously appeared in Spectre, was also in Inglorious Bastards, Midnight in Paris, The Lobster, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. She's set to appear in Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, coming out later this month, God willing. She was also in the video game Death Stranding, which was one of the worst fucking games. No offense to the Hideo Kojima fanboys out there that listen. Metal Gear Solid, it's a better series. I don't know what any of that is, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Not my world. Um, Oscar winner Rami Malek plays Lucifer Safin, global terrorist with a grudge against Spectre. Malek won his Oscar for his performance in Bohemian Rhapsody. He shouldn't have. And has also been in Night of the Museum, The Little Things, Need for Speed, and the series Mr. Robot. And he is by far the worst thing about this movie. Can I, before I go on about how I feel about this movie, can I ask why some, everyone has so much hate for his Oscar run? Well, there's a number of reasons. Personally, indulge I think... Hmm? I was like, indulge me here, because I, I don't understand the hate, because I, I like him. Okay. So that year, he was up against Christian Bale for Vice which I think was a much more powerful and incredible performance, deserved it. For Bohemian Rhapsody, basically Rami Malek uh, didn't even sing, for one, and pretty much just wore fake teeth and kind of danced around. To me, it was not an Oscar-worthy performance. And I don't think he deserved it. I think Christian Bale deserved it. So that's why. And then every film I've seen him in, I have thought he was underwhelming and brought the film down. The Little Things, big part of that. And then uh, he does not scream Bond villain at all. I think, I think for me, it's because I've seen episodes of Mr. Robot and I know that's where he gets a lot of his praise from. I feel like the guy just does not get hand good scripts or good characters to work with. Um, I won't necessarily say that in this case. I do think the script overall is pretty strong for this movie, but I like he, I will say his performance was fine. Like, I'm not. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't like great. He himself was not that intimidating. But at the same time, I'm not gonna put all my hatred on him because the film itself has him come up in the beginning of the movie, disappear, pop up in one scene, and then disappear again until the very end. So he's literally like the least threatening presence of a villain, both by his whatever you know, what he was delivering in his performance, but also just by the fact that the movie did not use him a whole lot. And I just, uh, he's the guy who takes out the entire Spectre organization and Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Like, no. <laughs> no. Like, why have this guy at all when you've already got Blofeld in your movie as an overarching criminal genius with a massive grudge against Bond and everyone he loves? Like, you've already got that. You don't need Safin. And what a stupid name. Lucifer Safin. Like, really? Like, is this an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, what? Like, 
you really naming the guy Lucifer, like almost the devil? <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, look, I'm with you. What I'm saying, I thought he was the, the the villain was the weakest, worst thing in this movie by far, in my opinion. I just, I, you could, t- I, I felt like he was trying, but I don't know what it was. He wasn't really that intimidating. And like I said, the movie itself, even in a two hour, 43 minute runtime, he pops up in three scenes, which was just strange to me. Yeah. He's an afterthought. He's, you know, it's like at the end, it's like, oh, we also had this guy. We got to, we got to finish this story. Yeah. It's almost like they, you know, I mean, and just finally still, they wanted to focus so much on like Bond's personal life and the fact that we were getting to a very sad ending with this. And then they were like, oh, wait, that's right. We need a villain. He, you know, he does. He's a spy that stops <laughs> bad things from happening and usually kills a villain. We had to do that, too. It almost, yeah, it felt like that was just like, oh, shit, we forgot about that part. But they, again, they had that already with Blofeld. Christoph Waltz came back. Like, why not use him? Like, just, ugh, I don't understand. Um, Lashana Lynch plays Nomi the new Agent 007, after Bond retires. Uh, Lynch played fighter pilot Maria Rambo in Captain Marvel and is set to play the kind-hearted Miss Honey in the Matilda remake. And she was great. I love the idea of Bond retired, so there's a new 007. Makes sense. Yeah, and this, unlike, you know, the tired, you know, falling in love trope, I don't think the series has done this even once the entire time it's been going. Oh, no. There's always been James Bond 007. Even when he quit or was like forced out, it's always temporary. Yeah. So the fact that like this year, this is something like, well, what happens when he quits? Because realistically, the organization will move on. And they did. They were like, all right, you retired. You got out. You were done. We got a new 007. And she was awesome. I really liked her. I liked the rivalry between the two of them that was happening throughout the movie. But I also liked towards the end when there was that respect of like, Sir, I want, um, I request to have his 007 status reinstated. Like, there was that respect there. Like, okay, I know we've been kind of messing around, but this is your mission. You need to take that title one more time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Wishaw returns for his third outing as Gadget Master Q. Wishaw was also in Cloud Atlas, Mary Poppins Returns, The Lobster, The Danish Girl, and he's the voice of Paddington the Bear in the two ridiculously critically acclaimed Paddington movies. I didn't know how beloved those movies are. Paddington <laughs> 2 is the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Are you, this is a joke right now. No, it recently surpassed Citizen Kane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's insane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his cue, Ben Wishaw's cue, is is good. I always liked, you know, Q is has only been played by three actors: Desmond Llewellyn, John Cleese, and Ben Wishaw. And it's a role that is very much, you know, constantly irritated by James Bond because he has no regard for the gadgets. He, you know, never returns the equipment. He doesn't care. But it's Q's job to keep Bond alive in the field. And I I like their relationship. And uh, yeah, well done. Ben, good job. Yeah, he did good. I know I don't want to harp on too much. I'm going to talk about how I do like their relationship a lot. Um, 
in this era of Bond with Craig. Um, I did laugh when, like, you know, he's making the Darenate in that preferred, and he sees Bond at the door, and he's just like, ah, shit. <laughs> this is immediately, like, not him. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, they, I love that, uh, what, Money Penny just starts pouring the wine. Yeah. And, like, this is his night now. <laughs> Bond makes a comment about his cat. <laughs> He's like, you know that you got uh, ones with fur, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Q. But still, you know, did his job. Finally, we have Ana de Armas as the brief but awesome role of Paloma, Bond's Cuban contact. She and Craig previously worked together in Knives Out, and she was also in Knock Knock, War Dogs, and Blade Runner 2049. She's set to play Marilyn Monroe in the upcoming biopic Blonde. Uh, apparently, she's been working with a dialect coach for quite some time. Mostly, I'm watching that biography because I, I fucking I love Hyundai Armor so much. She's fantastic. I wanted way more of her in this. I was I, I think it's cool her the bit she was in, but she she should have been more uh should have been in more of it. Yeah, I almost brought up my view because it's like it's like the weirdest negative I had made was that I liked her so much I wanted more of her. It was like essentially my negative. Like I she really just like immediately got me hooked on her character. As soon as she was like, okay, that's it for me. I was like, no, no, give me more. I love the idea that like Bond was legitimately worried. Like, oh my God, you got me this bubbly, like clumsy three weeks out at fresh hour training, just, you know, hindrance. And then she com- turns into this complete badass. I also thought it was really interesting point of character development for Bond that he didn't try to sleep with her. Yeah, I like how they flipped it. She pulled him into the room. She's taking his thing off. And he's like, uh, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. He pulls out the suit. Uh, But interesting that we've never, you know, Bond's heart is taken. Like, he he loves Madeline. And this is the first time we've ever seen Bond express emotion like this. You know, saying things like, you know, I never never stopped loving you. I don't miss, I don't regret a single day we were together. Bond has never talked like that. Yeah, you to the point that like that opening prologue when he has to like he puts on the train, you kind of feel it. You feel that he is truly hurt. Yeah. By what happened, you know, he because he realizes that even if she is telling the truth, he has to let her go because he will continuously be hunted because of who her father is, who who she has ties to, and what organization she has ties to. He can't have that life. Spectre. Um I thought it was interesting that the this film's biggest influence for me is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. You know, we have all the time in the world kept coming up. The, uh, there's a bit of score from time to time that is the opening score of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, just tweaked a little bit. I love that. And then, you know, Blofeld fucking up Bond's true love relationship. He, he killed her in Secret Service, and then in this one, he, you know, pushed them away. But very, uh, very cool that that's the one they came back to multiple times. Of all the Bond films to kind of, you know, focus on, that's interesting. Yeah, the one you hate the most. One most, most Bond fans hate the most. Uh, no Time to Die has an IMDb score of 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 84%. It's grossed a little over 300 mil globally on a budget of 250 mil. It's underperforming ever so slightly, but it's still making huge money for the pandemic era. Uh, so good for it. I, I'm, I wish this film success. 
uh, let's discuss. So, <laughs> this film does the impossible. It kills off three mainstays of the Bond franchise in spectacular fashion and regrets none of it. The first is Felix Leiter. The second is Ernst Stavro Blofeld. And the third is Bond himself. Yeah. Um, was, <laughs> I think I said that on, on Skyfall, I believe it was, or Casino Royale, where I'm like, if they're going to kill Bond, they better kill him. I don't want to see any of that Dark Knight Rises bullshit. Like, he better be dead. And holy fuck, they went and they did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I got teary eyed. I'll admit, I got teary eyed at that end when he was like climbing up and he's saying his goodbyes. I was like, holy shit, they are killing James Bond. And again, though, they to me they earned that because how the fact that this wasn't just like okay, a new actors taking the role and we're gonna keep the story moving forward. This was a contained era of bond like he told a complete art from beginning to end with daniel craig of this character so it was a very earned ending in my opinion yeah straight up it's uh it's building all all the films are building towards bond sacrificing himself for something bigger and what a warrior's death to facing down a barrage of missiles like yeah holy shit they're gonna write stories about this guy yeah, and I, I love people's reactions. Like when he's telling Q, tell him the fire. And Q's like, but you're still there. Just tell him the fire. Oh, dude, when, when Madeline told him, like, she has your eyes. I And he's just like, I know. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially because oh. she kept trying to tell him, like, oh, it's not your son. It's not your, sorry, it's not your daughter. And we're like, oh, it, it's Bonds. It's Bonds, kid. Oh man, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Also, the role M has to play in this film. Who it's really his fault. All of this happens. He uh, he uh, set up Project Heracles, this super misguided bio, like biological weapon that can be tuned to anybody's DNA and kill anybody on the planet that you want dead. Are you kidding me? Who the hell would authorize something like that? And I love everyone in the film is like, what were you thinking? And even and he he at first he's like I did my duty and everyone's like fuck your duty you are a monster. Yeah, it, again, you know, Ray Fiennes has been so fucking good in this role. Like he he really brings it with this one and bringing us an end of kind of like a flawed end, which we don't see. I mean, there was touched on in Skyfall with the whole like you know her past coming back to her. When this one we're seeing a currently like repercussions of something that he should not have done to begin yeah. with m straight up got james bond killed and he knows it in the end you know his little their little moment where they share a drink together is very powerful and you can tell m is like what have i done it's ah, oh, i love that moment yeah um, i loved when uh tanner gets off the phone he's like sir we're getting bombarded by the by the the navy and all these people are like what should I tell them? Don't call them back. <laughs> I love that M got the, got the F-bomb for the movie when he's like, how did you know about Heracles? And, you know, Q and Money Penny told him and Bond's just like, or M's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, there's no secrets in this in this company. It's great. Yeah. it's. I love when um, Q is trying to act like he didn't know Bond when I was at his house. 
Oh, hey, James. I see you here at Traftiac here. I know he was at your house last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the argument Bond and M have over Heracles, where M's like, we, you know, we did the right thing. And Bond's like, you don't even know what the right thing is. You know, I, I brought this up on uh, when we did Skyfall. You know, has the desk gotten bigger or have you gotten smaller? Like, powerful, powerful stuff. Great dialogue in this movie. Yeah, I, I love that scene with him and Emma arguing because, you, again, it's not something you see often in James Bond, those two arguing. Usually he takes his mission and he goes. And there you kind of see Bond questioning him, going, Why the fuck did you do this? <laughs> oh, boy. Great stuff. Um, trying to remember other little moments. It's been a few days. For me, uh, one thing I want to talk about was like the action to me was some of the best, in my opinion, the series has done. Um, I'm also like, especially the staircase scene. Um, one of the things I was always like, I remember was real touted about the first season of uh, True Detective was this big old one shot long take sequence they did. And I guess they decided to do it again in Bond because that staircase scene was awesome with him trying to get up to the tower. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I, I hated the constant teases that Safin was Dr. No. That really bothered me. Like, why give this that at all if it's not going to amount to anything? To keep you guessing. Ugh. Like, the dots in the opening title sequence was like, that's from Dr. No. His... His private island that is, you know, manufacturing a whole bunch of shit that the governments don't know about. That's Dr. No. Like, even his costume was kind of like Dr. No. It's like, why do this to me? <laughs> oh. Pissed you off. Yeah. But it didn't, you know, it bothered me, but not enough to ruin the movie. Not at all. No. Uh um i also liked the thing of the action scenes the uh the chase sequence into the forest when it's all foggy that was cool yeah he takes out and he finally gets his revenge on uh the logan character oh fuck that guy yeah i i remember when uh so when they got when he gets that part where you know felix dies you can see on bond's face it's like i remember thinking in the theater when it was like oh he's pissed like you took the one friend that man had and killed I, his one friend. I love though the, the the revenge. You know, I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter, and then dropping a car on that son of a bitch. So good, great moment. But also, I feel like the biggest disservice the Craig era did was to Felix Leiter. He had a moment to shine in Casino, one brief scene with Bond in Quantum, and then we don't see him for two movies. And now he's James Bond's closest friend. It's just I wish we'd gotten more Leiter. Yeah. Because Jeffrey Wright did such a great job. Oh, I loved him in the row. I love how giddy he was when Bond said yes. He's like, oh, I knew, I knew I'd get you. <laughs> so excited. He's so happy. He's like, ah, oh. it's almost like if Franny's like, oh my God, my friend's going to do this mission for me. <laughs> uh, I thought it was interesting that they killed off the entire Spectre organization. Like, that was crazy. Uh. I was not expecting that. I mean, that was a really cool sequence at that. Uh, the whole Cuba's Cuban sequence is a standout scene in the movie in general. Yeah. But yeah, I was not expecting the whole Spectre agency to die because I thought for sure it'd be like, I thought it was going to go in a route where like they were going to recognize Bond and he had to fight his way out because all these Spectre agents. Oh, no, no, we're just going to kill all of them. 
I thought Christoph Waltz was going to play a bigger part in this uh, instead of just being like, you know, a villain who dies by the new villain's hand to prove the situation is serious. Yeah, especially because, like, they killed him, and then we got, like, what we got with this villain. So I was like, I mean, you should have just got Blofeld because Christoph Waltz would have delivered a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, he would have. Would have been interesting to see Blofeld kill off Spectre and be like, you know, a new day has dawned, you know, you all failed me, kind of like, you know, Dr. Evil and the chairs that flip into the fire. <laughs> He's surrounded by freaking idiots, you know? I'm still alive down here. <laughs> you shot me. <laughs> oh my God. No one will ever, Blofeld will always immediately invoke images of Dr. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> Call him mini me. Surprised I didn't do that. Some kind of Blofeld clone. They should have done that. Shit. Actually, they did do that shit in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't I just go back there and just pop a cap in his ass? You just don't get it, Scotty. You just don't get it. What do we have? Sea bass. <laughs> but they're mutated. I love that. It's like, well, that's a start. <laughs> Good movies. We've gone three Bond episodes without talking about Austin Powers. I think we finally we couldn't stand it anymore. No, we have to talk about it. <laughs> oh boy, um, the whole idea behind Project Heracles is actually terrifying. That it's yeah, a, yeah it's a man-made nanobot virus that you can tune to anybody's DNA and it will kill them immediately with the slightest touch. Yeah, and you know it's funny. It's like. I know some I know some idiots that don't pay attention to like, you know, movie delays gonna be like, oh wow, look at them being current with the times gonna be like, no, what's weird is that they filmed filmed this movie and finished filming before we ever knew about COVID and the lockdowns and the pandemic. I was like, they got all that done. So the fact that like they filmed a movie like this and then this happened is a way too creepy coincidence type of thing. Ooh, yeah, turns out it'll get you. Unless you've somehow protected yourself, like with a vaccine or something. No, because with the theories I've heard from certain people I know in my life, if anything, this movie is just going to reinforce the fact that, you know, the Hollywood is owned by communist China. So <sighs> as they like to keep saying. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching that one. Uh, I won't go further, but I'll leave <laughs> that. I got nothing positive to say. For those who but, know or have any idea what I just said and what I'm alluding to, <laughs> I feel your pain. Bond. Uh, yeah, just the relationship between him and Madeline. Inspector felt a little disingenuous, kind of like, you know, forced. But it feels more real in No Time to Die. And I'll, I'll buy it. You know, <laughs> First time we ever saw James Bond have a kid. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that part was so funny when she's like, it's not yours. And Daniel Craig is just staring at her. They have the same goddamn eyes. Of course, it's the kid. Of course, it's its kid. Yeah. Even he's, if he made it, he's like, but we have the same. <laughs> but how interesting. You know, I, I always thought when Casino in Casino Royale, when Lashif just whipped his balls into oblivion, that he was impotent. But apparently, you know, He's got yeah. some strong soldiers. Honestly, not James Bond. 
<laughs> his load is uh his load is lethal. <laughs> License to kill in more ways than one. <laughs> Shaken, not stirred. Cocked and loaded. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a line in Live and Let Die after he he uh bangs solitaire after che- after lying to her with tarot cards, which has never really sit okay with me. Um and she's like, should we go again before we head out? And Bond looks at her like, certainly. No point in going off half-cocked. I was like, a little on the nose, James. <laughs> ah, ridiculous, man. Christmas only came once a year. Oh, God, that's the worst. That's the worst one. The whole damn movie was written to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh god no no time to die um so it's bittersweet you know we get to see madeline swan and her daughter matilda i believe um drive oh. off into the sunset talking about you know her telling her daughter stories about bond james bond this magical man who gave them a life this magic man who saved the world and fucked like a god. <laughs> I just picture every woman he slept with holding their own candlelight vigil <laughs> over that magic dong. <laughs> and like three or four men we didn't know about. Me in more ways than one. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so now that we've seen all five of his films, Daniel Craig, how does he measure up to the other bonds in terms of legacy and film quality? To me, he is, I think if you're looking at the whole franchise, he's my second behind Connery. I think he's the only one since Connery. And I do, again, you know, I do like the first car, Roger Moore. I do think Donald's underrated, and I like the first. I like going on a lot. But I think he's the first one since Connery to truly do the character justice, to bring everything to the table with that character. To me, and I point out on here, I was like, to me, he was the first one that didn't just take on this iconic role. He defined it for an entire generation of people. I mean, I was 2006, I was 13 when that first, his first film came out. I'm 28 now when this one came out, this new one. I've essentially grown up with this version of James Bond, and a lot of people have. So I think of all of them, I think he'll have probably the strongest legacy with this franchise since Connery. Enough said. That's Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be hard for people to accept a new James Bond, which has never happened before, really, since Connery. And even then, he came back. <laughs> uh, well, unwillingly, but he did. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a hell of a... Uh, he only had, really, in my opinion, one bad movie, and that's Quantum. Uh, mm. Say what you want about Spectre. I like it. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the camp with you. that I don't hate it like everyone else does. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that it was him. I think... You know, it was almost Hugh Jackman, and as neat as that would have been, no. <laughs> it's also almost a 22-year-old Henry Cavill who was told he was too young, which I think is hilarious. But now it sounds like he is open. Yeah, 
which would be sweet. <laughs> but do you think they're going to go full reboot? Like, you think Ray Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, they're all gone too? I honestly hope not. Because um, I really like Ben Wishaw's Q. I like Naomi Harris's Money Penny. I like uh, Ray Fiennes and them. I would love to see them come back. And maybe, you know, was there was that fan theory running forever with the original before Craig came on about how the, you know, James Bond is just a title, not his actual name. Maybe they could find a way to incorporate that theory into the next movie where he's become such an iconic 007 that you are bestowed that name if you meet the standards to become a 007. You know what I mean? Like in some kind of way like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they bring up the idea, you know, M mentioned that orphans make the best recruit in uh, Skyfall. I mean, we know James Bond's his real name because of Skyfall. But, you know, what if in this universe he is the first James Bond? And maybe, you know, M finds some young, you know, recruit fresh out of the academy who's, you know, maybe abandoned his name because he, you know, grew up in an abusive household or something. And says, you know, I'm looking, you know, I want a new name. And M's like, well, I got one for you, but you better live up to it or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I'm saying like it's, it'd be a cool way to kind of play into that fan theory that has been just, you know, kind of with series to try to explain all the different actors. Um, or like I said, they could just go in a reboot route where they keep those actors. But yeah, they absolutely just reboot and get a completely new James Bond. They just do what they did for decades and just keep tricking forward like nothing's happened. Um but I just think that would be weird to do now. Yeah, after killing him in a blaze of glory like that, it'd be weird if, like, in two, three years, M is just like, you know, 007, I have one for you. <laughs> and it's James Bond again, and they just ignore that. It would be weird. So I bet they go full clean slate reboot. I think it's going to be new M, new Q, new Money Penny, everybody. Yeah, and... I don't know, that might just be what the foreseeable future for this franchise is with that, you know, we're kind of seeing what can happen when you make it just one connective thing or now any actor that comes into this role and plays it, they get their run and that's it. And then we do it in a fresh reboot and a new run in a different era. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's one way to do it. I, I, I'm just open to whatever they do. I mean, like I said, I don't think any actor will ever measure up to what Daniel Craig left behind. I thought I'd never say that for a James Bond actor, but I'm 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 interested as well to see who they get. You know, I have my like I said, we've talked about numerous times. I have my personal picks on here. I want to t- see play James Bond. You have your picks. I'm sure. I don't quite know about Josh. But I'm sure he has his picks. I'm sure he's probably has someone in mind. I'm sure Austin. I'm, Everyone has someone in mind on who they want to take this role next. So I'm just excited for the future. I'm eternally grateful for what Daniel Craig has given us, what he's done with this character. He, even though he wanted to, you know, slit his wrist before doing any more, he fucking he went out with a bang. I'm eternally grateful and I'm excited for whatever holds, you know, the future holds for us with this franchise and who takes on this character next. Yeah, me too. I just, I really hope the next Bond villain is not, you know, whoever's hot at the time, because that's what they did with Rami Malik, and it didn't work out. I hope that when they with this, you know, if they do go the full reboot route and it's a whole new cast of characters, that they reboot how they look at villains. Because admittedly, the Craig era villains were hit and miss each movie. You know, like you had Mattis Mickelson, 
he was great in Super Mario. And then I hated the villain in Chrono Solace. Did not like him. Again, you had Silva and Skyfall, and then you brought in Blowfield. And again, I know some people kind of complain, but I really like Christoph Waltz's Blowfield. And then they turned around and had this villain. So, you know, it's been kind of hit and miss. I think more hits than misses, but hopefully they kind of retool how they look at getting a villain into this. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, going forward, I feel like we're not going to have a bond. I think it's, we're going to have something completely tonally different than Craig, than than Craig's bond. And I bet they're going to go on every aspect of that. You know, the the sporting cast, the villain, it's going to be a complete different taste. And I'm okay with that. I think every bond, you know, brings their own flavor to the role. And this new guy's got a lot to live up to whoever, whoever it may be. I just hope it's not some 20 year old British twat. Yeah. I mean, if it's Henry Cavill, all he has to do is see the shotgun arms and he's done. He, he will clinch his place in history. I'm just picturing him doing the bar- the barrel walk at the beginning of every Bond film, except he doesn't have a gun. It's just his fucking arms. <laughs> <laughs> I would not let that go because no man should be able to do that with their arms. It's the coolest moment of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I give no time to die in eight. It's a ballsy Bond film that accomplishes the impossible, delivers a fitting end to Craig's tenure as the character. Is it perfect? No. But it's an enjoyable, exciting swan song that seems very fitting for this um, iteration of the character. I'm, I'm in agreement. I give it an A as well. I think minus a really supremely weak villain, this is a as fitting and as satisfying a swan song in conclusion to the Craig era of Bond films that will get that, you know, I think the lowest on the series best action. It's runtime is brisk. It's a long fucking movie, but somehow you do not feel a single bit of it. I didn't feel it even once. Minus me the last three minutes, but that was because I had to go to the bathroom and I was determined to finish the movie. But no, this was a this was an awesome movie. It I I enjoyed the hell out of this. I would say if you were to make me rank off the top of my head, this entire Craig Air Bond films, Sky Fox, well, no time to die. Spectre, and then Quantum. Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, Spectre, Quantum. Yeah. I think we all know what the good ones are here. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we get to tackle the other film we've been anxiously awaiting for quite some time, The Impending Bloodbath, Halloween Kills. Comes out simultaneously in theaters and on Peacock this Friday. Very excited. This got pushed last year. Uh, super excited to finally get to watch this. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Yep. It's time to close the book on Bond and properly enjoy spooky season <laughs> with the one and only Michael Goddamn Myers. I too am looking forward to watching Michael G. Myers really fuck up this town again. Uh, in addition, we may also discuss Ridley Scott's The Last Duel a historical epic starring Jodie Comer, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck. Looks intriguing, but also very long. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, Tune in next week to hear us hopefully gush about Halloween Kills and possibly The Last Duel. Uh, Be sure not to miss 2018's Halloween on Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast and David Lynch's Mulholland Drive on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies.